and welcome to Health Meets Home, the podcast exploring the fascinating relationship between health, housing and everything in between. On this podcast, I'll be speaking to some of the nation's leading experts in the fields of health and housing, discussing some of the very latest innovations being developed to meet the changing needs of our population. And my guest today is Eleanor Olissa, who's one of the owners of The Healthy House, which was featured recently on Grand Designs TV and also at Grand Designs Live, where we met. And The Healthy House is one of the first, or the first, in fact, hypoallergenic home in Britain. And I'm really, really glad that you could make it down to the podcast today. Eleanor, welcome. Well, thank you so much, Tafina. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for coming. I, I During my research, actually, for this podcast and for the types of guests I wanted to interview, I actually came across your article in Grand Designs magazine. Right. <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, I would love to invite her onto the show. And through some happy coincidence, we got introduced by Kunli Barker at Grand Designs Live this year in London. And it was a perfect opportunity to invite you onto the show because I thought what you've done is really, really unique and really interesting. And um, we're going to learn a little bit more about that in this episode. So tell us a bit about yourself. Sure. So my name, as you said, is Eleanor Alyssa. And um, in 2016, my husband and I um, had been house hunting for what felt like forever, nearly two years, failing miserably in the London house market to find anything that we could afford um, and that would suit our family. Yeah. And we we came across a plot uh, which had planning and quite a nice house on it. And we started sort of thinking about that would be really good. So we went for it and we put in a couple of offers on it, um, spoke to our family about it. We said, yeah, it looks great, really interesting. Uh, but sadly, it fell through. And so we went back to the house hunt. Off we go again, still looking at houses. And every house we seemed to go for kept going up by 10%, sort of almost <laughs> almost every second. Wow. It seemed to be costing costing that bit more. That just took it out of our price range. Mm. And by miracle, um, we were on a property website on our phones one day on the way into London to work. And this beautiful house popped up on a on my website, on my, my website, on my phone. Yeah. And it looked lovely. And we thought, and it's well under our budget. How can this be possible? Obviously, looked a bit closer. Uh, it was a plot of land. <laughs> again, wow. we're planning. And we having gone through the process with the first plot that we had found, it felt very natural for us to go straight in. Um, and we were lucky enough to be the first people to view the plot. And they were the people selling it were looking for a family to take on the plot because it was a back garden plot. So you'd be living quite close proximity to um, your neighbours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and by some pure fortunate um, circumstances, we ended up owning this plot of land. And then it already had planning um, and it was a beautiful, a beautiful house that had been designed on it, but well out of our price range. Yeah. So we looked at, we're, going to, we're either going to have to go back to complete the basics or we're going to have to strip this house back and make it affordable for us. And at that point, we started thinking, OK, so if we're going to do that, what else can we do? And uh, we have three children, uh, two boys and a little girl. And our two sons um, since birth have suffered from severe multiple food allergies uh, and some environmental ones as well which are not intolerances, they're full-blown allergies, they carry mm -hmm. EpiPens. Um, we've had to be incredibly, we've had to learn a lot and be incredibly careful over the years yeah. as we've come to understand the severity of them and also how they are going to uh, be able to live in this world. It's yeah. actually quite full of things that they are, <laughs> could potentially cause them to have um, life-threatening reactions. And it came to us that we could actually build a house and we would know everything that went into it. And if we're going to build a house, we know everything that goes into it. We could actually start researching the products and trying to find as healthy as possible um, uh, items to use in that build. And we 
we thought this was probably something lots of other people had done already and was probably already being thought about. Quite quickly realised, especially in the UK, it's not. Um, so we started looking a bit further uh, afield into Europe. And in Europe, obviously, Passive House, which has also come here, is something that um, is very close to a healthy house, <laughs> what, we're, what you're trying to do. I mean, it's, it's one element of it, but it also is a very healthy environment. Yeah, so just explain what Passive House is for people who aren't familiar with that term. So our house actually isn't Passive House, so I just to give myself a bit of a get-out cross. <laughs> but, um, but we use a lot of the learning from Passive House. And the yeah. idea of the Passive House is that it reuses all of its... It, creates and reuses its own energy, okay. its own heat. It stays at a constant temperature. Um, a few years ago, I think one of the first passive houses or attempts at being passive house was actually shown on Grand Designs. And I remember thinking at the time, oh my gosh, how weird to have a house that you can never open the windows. Um, because obviously you're trying to... And then it, it came to us, actually, when we open the windows, <laughs> quite often pollution comes in, hay fever um, causing, pollen comes in. And things come in from the outside that we can't control. So we went to a company that actually specialise in retrofitting of passive, uh, retrofitting homes to become passive house. Uh, but they also do new build passive house. Right. And after lots of discussion with them, we understood that we could build a home that would be very low um, VOCs in the build. So very low uh, volatile organic compounds, in term, which, is a, which is one of the big um, pollutants and issues that you may have if you have allergies right. uh, during building or renovating or decorating processes. Yeah, um, And we could also use some of the passive house learning to install an MVHR unit, which is... it. Uh, initially, when I heard about them, I thought it sounded it sounds like an air conditioning unit. And what's MVHR again? It's so MVHR mechanical. is Mechanical Ventilation Heat Recovery System, <laughs> which essentially <laughs> takes the air and filters the air. So you change the air in your home several times an hour. Um, and it filters it whilst it's doing that. But it also captures the heat and uses it in winter and sends it away in the summer to try and keep the house at a, a relatively static uh, temperature. Yeah. So you found out about Passive House, you used some of those principles to build and design your own house, and what kind of an impact has that had Well, on you generally? Quite, I mean, yeah. first of all, you've built the house of your we dreams. finished the house, it was great. See, my husband and I were saying about the things that people ask us, and they always say to you, also, how's the house? And then they say, yeah. oh, how are the children? And it's yeah. so lovely, it's so, it's so lovely that complete strangers are genuinely interested in the build, but especially in your family. It's yeah. just, it's been quite um, overwhelmingly touching how people have cared since the episode came out. And partly, you know, we'd been renting and then we had to leave our rent house and we live with my family. Yeah. And suddenly we're living in our own home all together with more space than we've ever had. Um, all the things that we've chosen and put around us. So with certain amount of well-being comes from that yes <laughs> all being together yeah. however from the health side of it we're delighted to be able to say that it has had an impact um so what were things like before you 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 built the house so in the, so the years before yeah. um the boys would have lots of unexplained reactions um so they would have uh from we don't know from what touching something yeah. so they would come in they'd have start having the hives the breathing like issues. rashes and breathing problems yep. yeah yeah the, the, the sort of the precursors of an anaphylactic uh, reaction. Mm. Um, and we would never really know what caused it. Sometimes we'd know, but most of the time we didn't know. And they, those would happen every week, if not a couple of times a oh week. Oh, my goodness. Um, and one of my sons has got uh, quite bad asthma, severe asthma. And he will suffer, particularly at night during the, during the hay fever seasons. He was rarely getting a good night's sleep because of the asthma, waking up having night terrors, asthma attacks, difficulty in breathing. Oh. Um, obviously, therefore 
at least one parent wakes up, if not both. So everyone's yeah. quite tired and it's wearing and it's hard to be at your best when you're tired. Since we've been in the house, um, again, I, I think probably because the build had been quite a busy time in our lives, we yeah. didn't really think about what would happen when we turned the MVHR unit on. We lived in the house for about three weeks before we could do that. Uh, and the minute it went on, it was as if the whole house just went... Oh, really bizarre feeling of yeah freshness comes over the home and it it's helped immensely with the asthma and the sleeping therefore uh, everyone is sleeping better because the air is cleaner um particularly downstairs so the the construction of the house is it's a basement lower ground and then a um, sips panel first floor and because it's a back garden plot we could only go up one we'd only be one story yeah so we had to go down and we've reversed it so bedrooms are in the basement and we live on the ground floor yeah um and so the the basement is a very sealed cool fresh environment we don't open many windows down there very often it's very unless someone's going in and out through one of the patio doors that it stays and the, the mvhr unit is able to work at its very best so we have a we have a very lovely fresh healthy feeling yeah. <laughs> um, in the downstairs which has uh, although i wouldn't have been able to believe it before it'd been turned on had this wonderful impact um health-wise and th i mean the layout of the house that's that's really interesting because i mean all everyone who has um looked into sleep or insomnia will know that you know the advice for sleep is cool dark rooms yep. um you should try not to have the heating on at yep. night certain kind of lighting yes, you can yeah. you can play yes, around which with we as well, also were able you? to do yeah which we put in um there was also a lot of when we were looking at ways of helping the boys with their allergies. There's a lot of research has gone into uh, sleep chambers, essentially, where the children are put into a chamber where the air is very, very fresh, pure, pure oxygen air. So lots of the, a part of the research around the allergy side of it was that you can, your children can go, or whoever with the allergies can go and be put into these, essentially, uh, oxygen chambers at night so that they are breathing very pure air um, and their bodies have a chance to recover. And it struck us uh, that we could achieve a similar effect, perhaps not quite as intense, with this MVHR unit. Wow. And with discussions with the doctors, they agreed that that would quite probably be a positive outcome of it. So it was a there was a no-brainer to give it a try. It seems to have so many benefits, just just for people without allergies, right yeah. through to people who are suffering with the allergies, asthma, eczema, whatever it might be. Yeah. The the fact that you live in this cleaner breathe and live in this cleaner environment isn't hugely beneficial God, this is so interesting and and right now so your children were having flares once a week once every couple of weeks how long have you been in the house now we've been in the house for a year and a half a year exactly. and a half and yeah. we're summertime <laughs> peak yep. hay fever time yep. I mean I know in a yeah. &E at the moment we've got loads of people coming in with asthma attacks hay fever yep. <laughs> heightened at this time yeah what have your boys been like? So they're not cured. I can't like, pretend that they, no. there's nothing happening. But it's so much better. So, so, so much better. Um, they go out. They leave the house. They go to school. So yeah. they're still coming in contact with um, things, that, with the allergens. Yeah. And, you know, as a family, my whole family is suffering from hay fever yeah. at the moment. However, when we're in the home and the doors are shut, it's so much better. Um, and you, you, anybody with hay fever or, or asthma knows when you walk out and you hit those the pollen or whatever it is that's getting you whatever's erupted that day it's just it's horrendous awful. and yeah. it's lovely to be able to come into a house and shut the door and know that it, that stops once you're inside so wow. we can't stop 
going outside. No. Can't stop the children going outside. We never would. No. <laughs> <laughs> to any circumstances. But it, it's, it's a respite. It's a place to come where they have a haven and a bit of sanctuary from the, the things that are out there getting to, to get them. How many flares do you think they're getting now? Oh, it's it's a handful. I mean, really, we've they've significantly decreased in the home um, and actually outside as well. And again, they still happen sometimes wow. when we're out, but it's hugely different to the point that we would go through a lot of um, cetirazine antihistamine. Yeah. <laughs> and we just aren't anymore. You know, it's it's not something that I'm having to repeat every month. It's every couple of months that we're having to do That's it. Crazy. So we know that they're having less... Um, because they're taking less, we're needing to to give them um, antihistamine less often, yeah. although they still take antihistamines. And what impact has had that had on your quality of life overall as a family? Oh, it's. I think it is. It's funny. You don't often stop and think about it like that. But when you do stop and think about it, and we see them and how happy and safe they are and enjoying themselves and just getting on, having a good quality of life. It's it's overwhelming, and it's yeah, it's it was what we set out and we hoped we'd achieve it. Um, just building the house was a pretty big achievement for us. Um, and when we'd done that, we knew then we had to, we still had a bit of a journey to go on to see if what we had hoped would happen did happen. Yeah. <laughs> so it's lovely. And I, I think that those those benefits will continue to uh, be felt by the family. Yeah. God, you've been on an am- amazing journey and you've really <laughs> achieved something just incredible, you, you know, uh, from the perspective that you've, you've built your own home, which always has a an added meaning and a, a huge emotional value, but also you've really improved the day-to-day health of your children. I mean, as you say, you can't you can't cure allergies, but mm. if you know what the triggers are and you can remove them or, or put some sort of barrier up to yeah, them, then... the management of them, any help with the management of it. It's, yeah. um, I think yeah. we were just very fortunate as well. Like it's been a, it's been an incredible journey, and it's been a privilege to get to do what we we did because it's it isn't obviously something that. You know, it's not a chance that comes up every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we know how we know how lucky we were to do it, but it felt quite natural to have done it. And at the time, we didn't question it at all. It just was obvious to make that happen. And I yeah. think we had a really good team and family and friend support around us who were also backing us and saying, "Yeah, this is this is good. Yeah, <laughs> worth, worth a try." <laughs> yeah. Gosh. And. In most cities, air quality is 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 much worse than it is in the countryside. And um, I, there's lots of maps and things online mm, that you yes, can yeah. gain access to to look at which areas are the worst polluted yeah. in terms of the air quality. Did you do that before you um, bought your plot of land? Or no, it, we didn't. We hadn't. We weren't just, thinking about it. I think yeah. um, we've been on a real uh, learning journey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so much educating of ourselves, and obviously, obviously, we know that air quality is worse, and we know that if we go to the countryside or you go somewhere, that the children yeah. are better. Yeah. We know that, but our lives and our work are in London. Yeah. Uh, so we can't, at this point, it wouldn't... Um, actually, it's a question we get asked, like, why don't you just move to the countryside or why don't you move to the seaside? And actually, for us, it's been more about the management of it yeah. where we can. Um, I think perhaps different levels of severity as well, and it might be a decision that the children make in the future not to live, or maybe we'll be fortunate enough to live in cities where it isn't as polluted mm-hmm. um, as as this. But we'd we'd moved away from... We were in a much more central location in London. So this move had already been a sort of a let's move nearer greener spaces and that way. But I just don't think that it's something that up until we'd started our build we would have ever thought about. Thought, but you didn't, <laughs> no, you didn't say we're gonna like buy that. we're gonna build a hypoallergenic house. No, 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 no it not was, at all. It just came as yeah. part of the process the yeah. more you scratched the and surface and re- and did your research. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh nice. <laughs> I did that subconsciously. <laughs> 
Oh God, we are a pair of geeks. <laughs> so for other people who might want to do the same, regardless of whether they have allergies or not, I mean, I, I'm hugely inspired by what you've done and I would love to do the same just because it's a, it's a no-brainer. It's a yeah. no-brainer if you yeah. can do it. Yeah. Um, where on earth do you start? Is so there the, a directory yeah, what do you of... Do? So the good news is, over the last... Since we started this project, it has definitely been something that has become more uh, into the general public awareness and retailers' awareness, not because of our bills, but I think there's a shift in general where people are asking questions about yeah. what's in things, um, what are the health benefits, like, how, is this good or bad for me? Um, and we, we've really seen that from everything from food through to... Um, consumer products that you might buy people want to know if it's ethical if it's uh, what's it made of what's the what's the makeup material of this item that I'm bringing into my home yeah and um, we when we were beginning the project it was really tricky we were asking people like so what's what's in this carpet what's glues used and they're like uh I don't know I don't know no one's ever asked me that before yeah um, and now I think people are using it as a selling point um to do that there is no directory, as far as I'm aware. I, there are a couple of good books. There are a couple of... Um, ah, okay. There are two books, which perhaps you ought to look up in a minute, yeah. the titles of them. There are yeah. two ones about the healthy home. And then there's a slightly older book that I think was probably um, early 2000s. It's actually amazing. and talks about how you can have a more healthy home. But for us, it we always said, you know, you could go crazy with this stuff and you could completely and utterly change the way that your life is run and what you do with it. But... Mm. I think you have to work out what's realistic. Um, maybe a bit like someone who's a vegetarian once a week. Yeah. <laughs> so you work out what's going to yeah. what is actually viable for you. Whereas if you went vegetarian seven days of the week, you probably wouldn't be very well straight away unless you'd had someone to cook all your meals for you and do it that way. <laughs> so it's the compromise between: is that a sensible purchase? Is it an affordable thing to have? And can I find out enough about what's in it to feel that that's okay? Mm. Um, there's there are quite so we. The advice that um, when people are asking us is like, do have a look on packets. So if anything you're bringing in from wallpaper to the paint, to the tiles, to the carpets, all of that. So on there, they should state um, the level of the VOC. Okay. If it's naught, especially in Europe, quite often they highly publicise a naught VOC, zero right. VOC things. Lots of the paints now are 99% VOC free. Really? So they actually the state, just like uh, it's, yeah, on, it's becoming on food a label. Packets, we yeah. have, it's not a standard. It hasn't been standardised. Standard, it'd be great though. if it was. And I think something that really shocked us during the process was our quest for a sofa. So it was all the furniture that we used to buy. But... <laughs> It was one of the biggest pollutants, and everyone we were talking to who knew sofa. about it was the the chemicals that go into fire um, proof fire retardants that go yeah. into products, uh, the glues that are used to hold um, bits together, or, um, in the MDF processes and things like that. Those, some of those are the worst off off gases, <laughs> yeah. as the word is called, uh, and probably the cheaper it is, the worse it's going to be. And off gassing is the release of these the VOCs, toxins, the VOCs, yeah. yeah. And they do, they do off gas, but you don't, uh, and it's the advice that when you buy a new mattress that you should leave it outside when you, the foam mattresses, leave it outside to off gas before you bring it in to For sleep how long? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> 24 hours. No, I don't know. Quote me on that. But they, but I, it's something that when you buy your new mattress, they do normally advise you to let it off gas before you yeah. snuggle down for your good night's sleep on yeah. it. But actually your sofa is just as bad. Um, wow. And obviously we spend a lot of time on our mattresses, a lot of time in our beds. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've bought your new lovely wardrobes and everything that's in it, it's all MDF with terrible paint on it, you're going to have an awful lot of uh, pollutant in your home. Yeah. So for us, it was it, that was the hardest quest, was finding furniture that we could afford yeah. and wasn't going to be uh, polluting 
particularly for the children. And if budget had been no matter, I think, you know, great, do it all bespoke. Yeah. <laughs> Have someone, you know, make it all, get it, you know, there's, there's lovely natural products, but it's it can get really expensive. Yeah, it can. So for us, it was really going to the high street retailers and trying to find what they had that we could do. And if they couldn't, buying something secondhand because it would have by the, the nature of the time it's been already in existence off gas significantly yeah gosh so so in terms of materials you look at the you look at the um <laughs> the product ingredients yeah, yes, <laughs> you look for yes. a voc but, yeah, percentage yeah. if there is one yeah um and obviously you know there are companies out there that use more environmentally friendly and healthier yes, a lot sort of people of, are using that as their uh, selling point, as their selling as point. Well. so mm. they're a little bit easier to identify yeah. and then um it, what about in terms of you know the the building materials themselves, like the, I don't know, the wall insulation or the builders yep. that are actually sourcing those materials, yep. what guidance do you give to them? Well, we it's, we were very lucky with our design and build team um, and the finishers that came in because they all have worked on these projects before, so we benefited really? from their learning. Yeah. And the the choices we had to make were limited because of the number of products we could choose from were limited, which is was probably a blessing in disguise. Absolutely. <laughs> sped up, sped it up. But they, they already had quite a lot of it. Although we did our own research because it was interesting and sometimes you could find new things and your own things um on that. We've been approached by quite a lot of builders since the show who said that we had no idea. We had no idea about all of these things. Um, and now I'm going to start bringing it into my building practice. So I think it's a case of just checking, asking questions what fillers being used, what glues being used, you know, the squirty foam. Yeah. <laughs> Don't fill the house with squirty foam, which is a really bad. Yeah. It's not very good for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then weighing up the risk as well, because you know what, some some a little bit is probably fine. It doesn't matter if it's going to be sealed away. Fine, yeah. not a problem. But then you want to bring into the home the, the next layers. You want to make sure that they aren't going to... Um, cause an issue yeah yeah and I guess there are there must be some architectural firms as well and building firms who really focus on eco building or absolutely um, and especially I think a lot of them and a lot of them will have strong links with European building where this is far more normal way of building your home than it is for us here where it seems to be the quickest the cheapest um, way of getting it up not always looking at the materials that are being used yeah so what if you're not building your own home and you're you're renting um, or you're buying a home? Have you got any tips that you think might make a difference to some people in terms of creating a healthier environment, whether it affects their allergies or not? I think it's everything we did from the point that the um, house was watertight. Yes. <laughs> um, anybody can do. And we've learned all sorts of things. You know, we did spend a lot of time working at the garden and the garden plants and the indoor plants as well we've got a bit plant mad now yeah so what kind of plants <laughs> do you have any plant that we can find yeah <laughs> filling the house with plants but again plants are another a really good way of purifying and i know that you have to go quite hardcore with how many you have in your home to completely reduce it but there are studies showing that people with asthma with lots of the right plants in their homes reduce their asthma yeah <laughs> in fact the yeah, but you can have you can put plants in that will benefit your your health your air condition, sorry, you can put plants in that will benefit the, the air and will have a positive impact. And that's really easy because all you have to do is go onto any of the plant websites yeah. and they will have a section that is a plants that are good for your health. Have you got any favourites? Now that, oh, well, what do I love? Yeah, I, do, do I, I just love any plant. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I really have a favourite. Do I have a favourite plant? I don't know, we love our aloe veras. But oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> They're kind of dual purpose, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> I remember I did this actually a few years ago and... Um, 
And what did I? I did some spider plants. They're really um, good. They're really yeah. good for detoxing. I think peace lilies are quite good as peace well. Peace lilies, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, don't have to be expensive plants. No, either. no, this no. Just, they're just a few pounds each. Yeah. Um, ivy is good for bathrooms. Yes, I've heard. Yep. Uh, I, I have no scientific basis for this, by the way. Some but of the ferns, ferns? But again, yeah. it's, you can, it's very easy. This is great. And there's, there are years of research. And the same in the garden. So we tried really hard to have um, bee pollinated, not tree pollinated plants in the garden. Oh, because right. tree pollinated obviously relies on the air. And that's when you get that. Whereas the bees are nice and neat. Yes. <laughs> and take the pollen so you've got less risk of it causing um, hay fever issues for anybody. Yeah. Not if you have a bee phobia, obviously. <laughs> obviously, bee stings are also quite a serious thing. However, you know, we have to have bees in our garden. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And do it that way. But trying to, yeah, trying to put in plants that wouldn't um, exacerbate any of the issues. Yeah. And what kind of background do you come from professionally? Do you, have you been involved in property before or in building or in architecture? What do you and your husband I've, do? Oh, well, so um, my husband runs a, an outdoor sport tech business. So yeah. his business, they their core is a mission to get people exercising outdoors for free. Ooh. So it's trying to bring communities, uh, people who, for whatever reason, aren't exercising and don't feel like they've got access to uh, quality exercise. And they run uh, free or affordable group community sessions. And it's anything from hula hooping to box fit to yoga to, gosh, any, anything. You can, oh, any my God, them. that's They're fantastic. What's the name of the organization? It, his company's called ourparks.org.uk. Okay. And that's been growing since 2014. So for him, it's always the outdoor benefits of exercise are right there that's his daily day day yeah. day job is what he does so for him that was very important in the house to make sure that we had a garden that could be enjoyable again it's a privilege we have a lovely sized garden How that our children lovely. can use yeah um, and to make sure that it was a essentially another room in the home as a past as opposed to just an afterthought uh, space and then I run um, one of the UK's first online art galleries. So we're normally involved in properties at a different point, like right at the end. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> you get the fun you, part, you right? So the, it's quite often the finishing touches, but then we say, don't make it the finishing touches. Think about it right from the moment that you start your project, because then you can get the right walls and the right lighting. And you know, if you want to have a recess for a sculpture, you can do all of this stuff. Well, that's a really good point, actually. But yeah, don't, don't make it the last thought. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it can be an integral part. And I think there's something to be said for... Um, the benefits of having like plants and art in your home because they do not just the, the plants obviously have the added benefit of the air quality but things that make you happy <laughs> yeah. you know it's your space and it's I hope that people can feel a sense of confidence in choosing things that will give them uh, their space their own identity and uh, some that they can enjoy yeah of course what what sort of guidance would you offer people who who don't feel so confident in choosing artwork I think that it's there's no right or wrong answer. Uh, I think quite often the art world can seem a bit intimidating, but actually it's all based on opinions. <laughs> so if is. you like something, no one can tell you you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't, be, don't be afraid of that. Um, always ask questions of the, of the artist, of the person selling you the piece of artwork. I, I really think if something makes you, if something appeals to you for whatever reason, it has a powerful connection, it's right. You don't need to have anybody else to validate it for you. Mm. And to be brave, I think we're probably all better uh, curators of our own spaces than we give ourselves credit. Uh, normally, if you have, if you like things, they will work together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and again, and if it makes you happy, do it. Uh, don't don't wait for somebody else to tell you. No, sorry, that doesn't work with your sofa. That doesn't, you know, that doesn't work in that space. If you like it and you love it, yeah. it will work. Oh, I think that's <laughs> great advice. And what's the name of your gallery? So uh, my art gallery is called degreeart.com. 
Excellent. We'll definitely be dropping the link when we post <laughs> out this podcast. Uh, yeah, for sure. Get some healthy, healthy paintings. Yeah, get some healthy paintings out there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pleased to say we did also do some checking into the paints that lots of our artists did. You? <laughs> Just I suddenly thought about yeah, my goodness, what's going on? And most of them are using. There's been a huge um, advances in the the paints and the safety of them even because, in the art world. Yeah, in years oh. gone by, yeah, artists were um, exposed to an awful lot of, of nasty, nasty toxins and chemicals, but actually. It's significantly, uh, yeah, it's not an issue anymore. Good, good. Our artists aren't going to be dying of uh, hate toxicity. Yeah, not in that way anyway. <laughs> yeah, good, good. <laughs> so uh, this is, I mean, this is, is just a really remarkable thing that's happened. You, you, you built your house, everything kind of came together. It was a massive undertaking. Uh, obviously, you've been on Grand Designs TV as well. What was that experience like, having someone filming your project? Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I think if I don't know, I don't know why we did it. How did it happen? When we said to people we were building our home, they all kept saying, "Are you going to put it? Are you going to apply for Grand Designs?" And I think after like the fifth person said it, we're like, "All right, yeah, okay, we'll apply." (laughs) But also, I mean, our home isn't you know, it's not a a mansion. It's not a a ten million pound castle or anything like that. It's not. It's not a really tricky. Uh, build we had a little bit of jeopardy but it wasn't that yeah. but we felt the the health aspect anything that we could do to raise awareness around um the, the health points we were willing to do yeah and the the children uh, were quite keen to do it as well you know they thought it was quite an exciting journey to yeah. go on yeah and we just we just like them to be yeah for, for what they go through to be understood to help raise awareness so that the people who take care of them you know the responsible adults whoever that is to really understand it um and also for the wider the wider community to know because it is they are life-threatening allergies that they suffer from yeah and it can be very hard to communicate that and I think um, we were we were remarking on this the other day but our, our episode was aired at a very poignant time um which has now obviously resulted in um Natasha's law being passed around the labeling of food yeah but people don't really get that. And you'd go into a restaurant and they'd be like, well, I think it's got this in it. Or no, I don't. Yeah, no, no, I don't, no, I don't think there are any nuts in that. And actually, for someone with an allergy that could be life-threatening, I don't think isn't good enough. Mm. Because just, and, and people say, well, you know, have they had it before? And you say, well, they have. And just because you've had it before doesn't mean that the second time you have it will still be fine. Yeah, <laughs> you can't take those risks. So I think there's just... We just wanted to add our weight to the the general educating and awareness, maybe awareness is a better word, of um, how severe allergies can be. And it's very hard. I mean, it's very difficult for anybody who doesn't have them yeah. to understand what it's like to have them. Um, but it's it's something that I think we're living with more and more for whatever whatever reason, which definitely, would be <laughs> good definitely. to get to the bottom of at some point. <laughs> mm. Yeah, there's multiple <laughs> theories around that, yeah. but yeah, allergies yeah. And, and respiratory illnesses yes. definitely on the yeah. rise, unfortunately. And, and yeah, so if we can do a little bit to, to limit the risk um, and raise awareness, that was quite a big priority for us. Yeah, and have you have you had many people approach you since then, you know, parents or other people with allergies or... I don't know, charities or organisations to ask for information about, about what very, you've done yeah, or your experience. Quite a lot of other um, families come and ask us questions. And, you know, and it also shows us we feel so lucky that our children mm. are able to go out and enjoy relatively normal lives because, yeah. you know, some children, we've some families that we've heard from have children that can't leave the house um, and have such severe reactions um, that it really is life-limiting to what they can do. So we feel we've felt very fortunate and... 
it's brought it home to us even more that it was that privilege for us to do it because this it, it was something that we managed to get the money to do it we managed to find a plot get the money to do it build the house yeah um, it should be something that everyone can make changes in their home to benefit anybody who suffers for in whatever uh, range that they have yeah these, these afflictions it, it should be something that we can all do and we shouldn't be being exposed to things that make them worse absolutely and you were part of a were you also part of a study or yes so there was um the university of york and coventry were doing a, a air pollution study yeah and they tested the air in the house and also outside the house and we what did they find well we were, i know like god this could really undermine everything yeah. we're doing <laughs> it's really bad we're to tell anyone it's worse <laughs> absolutely but, um, they, it was incredible, actually. The results were incredible. So they compared our home to a standard home and then a standard new build yeah. and then ours. And our little line, so the other, the, obviously the standard home's high, new build's about half. And ours was teeny-weeny little line at the bottom um, for VOCs in the air. And then we tested the home over the course of, I think it was over the course of about two months, and the VOCs were negligible. So the results that came back, um, they actually came back and checked that the machines weren't turned off. So they oh. thought maybe like a cap had been left on or something, and that's why it wasn't. So they were absolutely negligible, particularly in the basement. Um, upstairs was also slightly higher because of yeah. movement through the home, people coming in and out, uh, obviously brings a certain amount with it. But yeah, remarkable results that even though you can't see how clean the air is That's in that really way. That's really astonishing, that. isn't it? <laughs> in comparison to the other houses? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, it was, I'm not sure on the VOC exactly, but I know that they were amazed by that yeah. result. But it's it was post-build, we were very, very, very low. Wow. That's absolutely incredible, isn't it? I mean, thinking of it on like a you know public health level. Yeah. With the fact that you Gosh, move into a new home, a it should be healthy, we, but it isn't. You know, it should be, should be brilliantly healthy, shouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm... We would we would love and hope that something would happen that meant that all new builds, um, you know, the government should put in place something that does mean that this should become standard practice. Elements of it should become standard practice. Do you think it's possible in terms of cost or? It's being done in Europe. Being adopted. Yeah, it's yeah. being done in Europe. So several European countries are uh, either looking at or in the stages of bringing it into their uh, public housing um, agendas. Yeah. And I think, of course, it's possible if it's made, if it's made into policy um it will become possible mm. it, it, it does it doesn't have to what we wanted to prove with our home as well is that you could build on a, a relatively limited budget so again yeah. what you know it's all tangible and we were building a house in just outside central london so there's obviously other places you can go in the country where it wouldn't cost us anywhere near as much as it did mm. but we wanted to prove that you could build something on a relatively um affordable budget uh, you didn't need to spend a fortune on it and also without having ever built something before yeah yeah which in itself is <laughs> yes <laughs> one of the interesting things i think at grand designs this year was um talking about uh, financing the projects and how you know there are certain attitudes i suppose from lenders towards first time yeah. builders towards self-builders even though there are lots more products yes, coming onto the yes, market yeah. which is great to yeah, see. yeah but actually i suppose of first time self-builders is is just not proportional to the quality of the builds yeah, that absolutely. happen in reality that actually most yeah. people who are buying that building their own home, yeah. build it to a very high standard yeah. because yeah. it's their own home. Yeah, this is it. So they no, do things properly. It felt very unfair. You, you yeah. do feel like you're penalised by the... in the. A lot more people would do it, I think, if the financing was easier. Yeah. Um, because it is it is affordable. If you you know if you can afford the mortgage, you can do this. Yeah, um, yeah. But the, uh, the financing industry is 
a long way behind where it needs to be. And it probably does come down to how it will change the um, the values of certain properties. So yeah. there is a stigma around timber clad buildings, stigma around uh, SIPs panels, because, you know, if you can build really high quality houses that quickly, mm. <laughs> it's going to devalue more standard construction um, methods. And that's, I think that's probably some sort of something happening there. Yeah. It would be, it would be revolutionary if that was looked at and all it will take is a brave lender to break the mould. Yeah, that's uh, and then everyone else will follow suit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And just very briefly, if you were to explain this, you know, just to a layperson in terms of how you finance your own self-build, Yeah. how is it structured like, from yeah, buying sure. land to building? I can, well, I can tell you how we find, how yeah. we've set up our financing because I, I think there are several, there are several routes to financing. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And, and I would strongly advise everyone to have it in place because I, I think we did a little bit of, oh, it'll be okay when we get to yeah. <laughs> do the next thing. Yeah. Um, but we, we'd sold two properties. Right. Uh, so we were able to buy the land. So you bought the land, yeah. We were very lucky to have a loan from some family and then we got a um, a bridging loan, essentially. So you can get a self-build loan. and that's For, To buy the land or to, no, to do the build? No, to do the build. Yeah. So you can do a self-build loan, uh, mortgage and they will release the money to you in stages after they sign things off. Okay. But for us that felt it could restrict things because they didn't release the money. So we got all the money up front in the form of a bridging loan, which is a bit more expensive. Okay. But it meant the money was there and we didn't have to go back and speak to anybody until the end. And was it 100% fin- funded through bridging loan or did you have to put a small proportion? No, we had so we had some okay. we had some loan from family as well. Loan for family. Yeah. Yeah. And then when the home was finished, you have to then try and get a conventional mortgage on it, which Yeah. It's like, yep, quite easy peasy. When this is done, we're going to consolidate all this debt into yeah. one mortgage. But that took, oh gosh, at least 12 months longer than we thought it was Did going it? to. It was really hairy. Um, what made it so hairy? They Certain lenders didn't want to lend on the building, the build type. Um, mortgage rules changed mm. at that time. We, the people we th- who had lent us the money for the bridging loan, we thought they would offer us a conventional mortgage, but they had a completely different set of criteria. So it was a, it was really, really hard wow. um, and quite stressful. But it is, you know, we, didn't, we were expecting it not to be easy, but it shouldn't have taken that long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> quite as long as it did. So I think... It, I would, I th- money is money is probably the biggest thing that can go wrong, the biggest and most obvious thing that can go wrong on your build. And yeah. it will completely jeopardise it if you haven't got the cash. With the bridging loan, if we hadn't have paid it off in the week it was owed back, then the interest rates just go... Oh, my goodness. Um, and really got to, Yeah, and it's, all, it's, just, it's quite stressful. So mm. having a really good broker, having a plan B and C, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say not overspending... Uh, always although you may have a project manager at the end of the day it's your money so you make those decisions and only make a investment into something or make that purchase or agree to it if you feel it's the right thing to do because everyone's very happy to spend your money when you've got it coming in like that but obviously they then walk away when you either can't afford to pay them yeah (laughs) or so yeah someone coming coming looking for their repayments (laughs) yeah yeah of course and if you hadn't had the funds to buy the land can you buy the land in the same way with sort of a mortgage yeah, or with bridging I think, finance I believe so yeah I think yeah, so it, for us it would have worked and, out you could yeah. have done it in a yeah in a similar way so you'd have like a two-stage process first you get the land and yeah. then yeah, yeah. Onto the other. so you can have a mortgage on the land as as I understand it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you just yeah, need a really good sure broker, right? Yeah, and I think as someone that, and someone that will help you on the second stage. So don't just get someone that specialises in the build. Get someone that also can help you when you convert it into a, a standard mortgage. Yeah. So that they are invested in the whole process. What has stood out for you in this project as 
some really important take-home message, I suppose, that you'd like to pass on to other people? I think if, you were, if you're passionate about building a house and you, and you believe in yourself and you think you can get the finances together to do it, yeah. you should do it. Yeah. It's a journey you'll never regret. Um, make sure you've got, if your friends and your family support you in the initial idea, then you're away. You know, you're already off to a great start because when things get tough, you know, they backed you. They're not going to say, I told you, you shouldn't have done this. <laughs> they invested in it as well yeah. with you in that in that way, um, mm. along with it. Oh, what would be my... I've probably got so many. Yeah. <laughs> um, don't rush decision-making. Mm. So you could... so. Set out time to, to plan so that people don't come to you and say, I need a decision on this now because it's awful on the spot and they are telling you that they can't move forward without it. Mm. Understand the implications of, actually, if I just give myself another 24 hours, what does that actually mean? Yes. <laughs> so if it means that they can't pour the concrete and they're not going to pour it for another six weeks, okay, probably make a quick decision <laughs> on it. But if it doesn't really matter, then they can come back tomorrow and do it. Great. Yeah. Um, do it that way. Do your research. Um, it's amazing God, what you yeah. can find when you when you look it's amazing what's out there ask questions I think probably my husband would say that's the biggest one is question everything so when someone tells you something don't just take it as a fact yeah. ask them why yes um how do they know that why are we doing this because quite often it can be like oh yeah we just we have to put this pipe here why why <laughs> can it go somewhere else yeah well oh, I suppose it could brilliant let's put it somewhere else yeah, then yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's move on from it has to go there to the next bit uh, remember that you're going to live in the home at the end of it or it's going to be your your safe place your special home so make decisions that you know will make you happy when it's finished fantastic yeah this is really really important points this has been such an insightful conversation thank you so much for sharing your experience oh, it's my pleasure thank you for listening I'm sure <laughs> lots of people will be will be getting a lot from this podcast I, I just wondered as well, do, are you are you speaking at any events upcoming? Is there anywhere that people can come and watch you or get in touch in some way? <laughs> we've got so we've got our website which is um thehealthyhouse.com. Um awesome. and we actually we did put a list on there on every of every supplier oh, did you? Um, and so key things. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's out there for anyone that wants to use it. That's brilliant. And there will be the the new series of grand designs will be out obviously towards the end of the year. And they're going to, they've done a revisit. <laughs> so come back and see what the house looks like after a year. That's great. <laughs> so well watch the space, is. we'll all yeah. be glued, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's fantastic. Eleanor, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure to meet you again. And thanks for thanks for sharing sharing your, um, your experience of building a hypoallergenic home. Oh, thank you so, so much. To all our listeners, thank you very much for listening. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to hit subscribe and give us a review and, of course, a share. This podcast was recorded at The Pod at White City Place.